One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the suitcase and the scribe with award-winning journalist Scott Burnside and former NHL goaltender Mike McKenna, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back for another edition of The Suitcase and Describe. I'm going to be honest right off the top. This is a second take and that never happens. But thanks to Mike McKenna for taking the controls last week when I was away. And so pleased to have my good friend Chris Johnson joining us. Hockey insider for TSN and North Star Bets. Chris, bonjour. Le gâteau est sur la table. Bonjour, mon ami. I'm not too far from you. Just a couple blocks away in another Montreal. Qu'est-ce qui se passe, Francais? Je parle anglais. We well, and I don't know if you know, Mike. I just said the cake is on the table, so that's oh, pretty good. much it. Okay, for me, I mean, je, je m'appelle Mike. Je joue au hockey. That's about <laughs> all I get. <laughs> J'adore le barbecue. Yeah. Well, as you as you can gather from our introduction, uh, both Chris and I are in Montreal getting ready for the draft. Um, I got in a little early. Can you see the artwork I did on the wall after I got in? I thought that pretty good handiwork there. Um, and I, Chris, I, I thought maybe we'd just start with. You know, what you think the vibe is going to be like this week? This is the first time the draft's been in person um, in three years. Uh, we did two remote drafts. I, I just wonder if you think what it's going to be like. And, and does the fact that there is that all 32 teams are going to be here, does it change how things get done? Do Are people, are you going to expecting more? Maybe just because people are face-to-face and, and have more ability to talk about doing deals. Well, I hope so. You know, I, I think that I think that having it in person is great for us. Obviously, I mean, it's this is this is the draft is kind of like hockey's convention, more or less. I mean, because agents are here, obviously, team personnel, head coaches, all the media people. I mean, it's and it's at a tiny year when, of course, it's it's a busy time for the front offices that are making decisions, but. You know, there's no games being played for a little while, so it's it's a little more relaxed for those of us not in a GM's chair or an assistant GM's chair. And so, you know, I think it is good. What's interesting, Scott, is that from what I've heard is that some teams didn't actually want to go back to in-person, though, that, that there were some teams that preferred uh, having their sort of war rooms back at home and thought that that was a more efficient way to conduct the draft. And I do know next year for sure they're going to have it in person once again, but I'm not sure long-term that this will always be the way it is that, that, you know, I I guess much like all of us during COVID times, maybe adapted or, you know, the most obvious is if you used to work in an office, a lot of people now work half from home that that didn't ever used to have that opportunity. I do wonder down the road if the draft will be done remotely, but uh, for the time being, I'm going to enjoy that we can be together, maybe get out for a social adult beverage and, uh, you know, see everyone from the hockey world. It's nice. Chris, it really feels like this year has a bit of a different flair to it, not just because of the fact that it's in person once again, but because 
with so many teams tied to the salary cap. I mean, I look today and there's 13 teams within 10 million bucks and they still have to sign people with two thirds of the league right against it. Do we not have the potential for real fireworks taking place on the trade front leading up to right after the draft, even before free agency begins? I think that's definitely part of it. And it's also too, because this draft is unpredictable, right? I mean, the draft at the best of times is unpredictable. You're, you're taking human beings that are 17, 18, maybe 19 years old and trying to project who's going to be the best of them. But these are 17, 18 and 19 year olds that just went through two years of COVID. And obviously they had a variety of different developmental challenges, whether it was, you know, playing games or access to ice, depending on where they lived in the world. I feel like there's more unpredictability with the draft itself. So I think you'll see, more likely to be because there's not a consensus, maybe not just at the top of the draft, but I think throughout it, you might see more picks moved. And then you do have so many teams looking to try to free up cap space. You know, we've already, that was clearly the the main dynamic at play in the, in the trade we saw on the weekend with Ryan McDonough going from Tampa to Nashville. The, the Lightning just need to create room to try to sign some guys and be well positioned for the off season. So, you know, it's a two-sided coin because when so few teams have so so little cap space, it's hard for them to take on good players or, or hard for them to, to take on those contracts. But I think, you know, the combination of in-person, a draft that everyone doesn't really know quite what to make of, and the fact that, that you know, it's a yet another essentially flat cap that went up by $1 million to the cap ceiling. But, you know, for four years now, we've seen no tangible movement in the salary cap. That, that squeezes especially the best teams. Uh, the ones that are trying to win the cup predominantly have a common problem or a common challenge is that they don't have as much money as they'd like to retain their talent or go out and sign new talent. Well, I, I mean, let's, I, there's so much to cover because, and the new, it's so fluid. I mean, even in the matter of, you know, the short time that we've been in Montreal and Mike hosted the daily face-off show, things continue to to change pretty dramatically on, on different fronts. But I, Chris, you mentioned the, the trade, Ryan McDonough going to Nashville, um, I'm just looking at it at uh, Ryan McDonough's cap. He's got 6.75 million left through 25-26, and it just seems that Julian Brisebois, in spite of perpetually being in salary cap hell, always seems to find his way out of it. And I wonder, uh, and I'm curious what what both you and Mike think of this. But Chris, let's start with you. What when you saw that trade go down? Uh, you know what? What was your thinking on that? And you spent some time covering Tampa in, in the playoffs, so you understand the hunger that still exists for that team to get right back at it after being denied a, a, a th- uh, their third straight Stanley Cup championship. What did you make of that? Because again, it just opens up room for Julian Breezebaugh to do some really important stuff, whether it's Andre Palat or uh, Jan Ruder or whatever it's going to be. It it just seemed kind of remarkable, but maybe we shouldn't be surprised. Right. Well, my first thought, honestly, was cold-blooded, man. And I'm sure Mike can identify with this. The, the business side of hockey can be the pit sometimes for, for players. Um, and, you know, just knowing how important Ryan McDonough was to that team and that, that locker room, how much he loved playing there, that until a week before the trade, he was sacrificing his body and everything else along with his teammates to try to win a Stanley Cup. And now, you know, somewhat against his will, although he did waive his, his no trade clause, ultimately he's being sent somewhere else. I think you know, all things being equal, he probably would have preferred to stay living on Davis Island near, near downtown Tampa and playing out the rest of that contract there. But this is what it takes to win. This is, I mean, this is unfortunately what the hard cal- salary cap requires of the best teams. I mean, 
I can think going all the way back to that 2010 Blackhawks team, right? Like they, they barely had time to clean the champagne off the, the, the locker room and they're, they're trading guys out the next day, right? That was the year they got rid of Dustin Buffalo and a number of other players. And, and yep. we've seen this fairly consistently. It's all forced by the cap. It's not because they didn't like the guy that, you know, helped them get within two wins of the cup. And, you know, I think it's good business again, objectively for that organization, but it's, it's gotta be difficult on the, on the human side of it. And Man, it's it's a smart trade though. That <laughs> all that being said, and I like Ryan McDonough. You know, he's 33 and he's got four years left. I, th- I think it's reasonable to expect that even by this time next year, maybe that might become an immovable contract. And so it's almost like correcting a problem before it's really a problem. And sure, it gives them the short term flexibility to, to try to retain plot. But I think what it really does is frees up money for next summer when you're going to have new extensions kicking in for Sergeyev, for Anthony Sorelli, for Eric Chernak. And those are younger members of the organization. And so as, as much as Ryan McDonough has been part of bringing the glory to the, to the lightning, I think Julian Breesbaugh and, you know, his front office views those guys as, as key to, to trying to sustain it, to, to trying to find new ways to keep winning down the road. And so it's tough business, man, but, it was, it was a good trade, I think, for them because it does allow them to keep that younger core intact. It's a good trade for Tampa. I'm not sure about Nashville. I, we were, you know, I had Chris Gear on this morning on our Daily Faceoff show, and he was, you know, he's a former assistant GM. He was really surprised that they didn't, that essentially there was no money retained, that, you know, Poyle basically got an older player in McDonough. That's about it. And got rid of a contract that could be bought out in Myers. So uh, I'm really fascinated to see how it goes for the player. You know, at least McDonough had some control here. And Breezeball, I've Julian Breezeball and I have worked together firsthand before, from him kicking my ass all around the tennis courts in Hilton Head to playing as <laughs> a member of his franchise for the Syracuse Crunch and and not being brought back to his franchise. But everything was up front with him, you know, and, and that really helps in these scenarios. It's not contentious, it's just basically, hey, Ryan, like, man, I, I don't think this is gonna work. So where would you like to go? Well, let's go to another tax-free state. Or let's go to a place like Nashville. That's a fun place to play. I could close my career out there, or we could even continue to win a cup. So um, I think a lot of that just has to do with honesty. And, you know, I look around the league and think, I don't know if there's enough of that sometimes. <laughs> so, there, and um, honestly, you know, this is what I think, Mike. I don't know why more teams aren't hiring lawyers or people with Julian's background to, to be GM. And, and I'm not throwing subtle shade here at Mike Greer, who on this day is being unveiled as a GM, obviously a former player in San Jose. I think that's a great story for hockey in its own right. But just in general, you know, really – what managing a team is obviously there's a the human aspect, but then it's, it's just about taking the rules in place and it's a 600 page document to collect the bargaining agreement and interpreting and using those rules to your advantage as much as possible. And I think yep. it's pretty clear the way Julian has consistently managed that set of rules in, in the lightning's favor, that his background as a lawyer trained and, and, and worked. And then also as a cap person, I, I think more and more teams should be going in that direction with their GM hires because to me, there's a savviness required there that even, you know, I don't have as a reporter, you probably don't have as a former player. You can understand the game and have opinions on which players might make your team the best, but it's, it's understanding how those rules are going to impact you long-term that set you up for the lightning to have this run where they've been the best, they've been the best organization for 10 years in the league. And I don't see any reason to predict their, their immediate fall. As long as Victor Hedman's still a version of Victor Hedman, like we see today, you know, and Vasilevsky's at his level. I mean, these guys could be in the cup final for the next two or three years too. Well, I mean, to Mike's point, and I, and I think, you know, I don't know enough to, to say, you know, 
are all teams honest with their players or how do you, how do you confront these things? But I go back to, you know, I, I think it was the first um, remote draft and uh, you know, I, I was in Carolina in their war room and one of the discussions going on then and was, you know, what was Tampa going to do given their horrific cap space? And, you know, one of the names that came up was Steven Stamkos and whether, um, you know, whether he was a kind of was a player who might be asked to, you know, to a, accommodate the team in, in the similar way that Ryan McDonough just was. And my sense of Tampa is that they've they have not been afraid to ask the hard question. And, you know, it's you're not it just sounds like it is all done in a professional way that even if it annoys you and obviously Steven Stamkos didn't go anywhere and he's you know, and good for him. But it strikes me that that was an organization that the cards were on the table here. We got to this issue. How are we going to get out of it? Here are some of the things we're going to have to consider. And, and Chris, I guess your point is if you, you have to have people who can give you those options. If this, if this player goes, here's what it means to us. If this player goes, here's what we could do and what the, it would mean two or three year, years down the road. And it may mean some hard discussions, but as long as you have them professionally, my sense is I, I, that's all I would want as a player. That fair? Yeah. Well, we all want to know where we stand, right? I've always appreciated that kind of boss. Not everyone likes criticism, but I've never minded hearing someone be really honest and say, look, you didn't do a good job on this, or why didn't you consider this instead of this? You know, and, and I had a boss like that early in my career, Neil Davidson, who I know you know, Scott, and I really appreciated it because you always knew where you stood. And, and yeah. you know, I've always thought – that's been my impression of Julian. It's it's good to hear Mike say that, who's actually had, you know, the business dealings with him, that that's how he is. Because, look, it's not really personal at the end of the day. I mean, every player has a number attached to him that, that's his contract. He has to bring commiserate value for teams to, to have a chance at success. And if you're not bringing that value for whatever reason, you're probably going to be moved on. And, and I think as long as that's – like even Stamkos, like he just had his best season by production, right, in his 14th or yeah. 15th year in the league. I'm willing to guess, and I don't know this, that if he had a fallen off, if his, if he was trending in the wrong direction, they might have considered moving him at some point, right? But because he's still bringing value to the team, they're happy to have him there. But nobody gets a free pass, right? Unfortunately, we all have to bring value to our bosses, and our bosses have to make money for us to make money. Yeah, that's. I mean, look at Colin White in Ottawa. That was a player who's expected to be a cornerstone centerman for that team, and. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, the tea leaves were there that without Mark Stone, what's going to happen? And we're seeing that you're seeing injuries pile up. It's it's tough to guess right on these long term contracts sometimes. And you do have to live up to them. And, you know, whether it's a trade or that or or, or just getting moved on through a buyout, it happens. But, you know, Chris, we've got free agency not very far off. Obviously, the draft comes first. But. Yeah, I constantly look at the NHL and think, okay, who could really improve next year? Which team could buy their way to improvement? That's the hardest thing to do in this league. Like, I I don't know how possible it is for a club to really do that any longer in the cap. But is, is there a team or two that you may have your eye on that you think could actually make tangible improvements through free agent signings this offseason? The one that jumps to mind for me is Detroit. You know, I, I see them with having now a few intriguing young players in their lineup this year. I mean, obviously they, they, they were heading in a good direction for a while this year. And then the, they just were, it was like 10 goals a night. It felt like, and I'm not putting that all on the goaltending. I think defensively the team is lacking. Um, Watch but, your mouth. Watch. You know, well, but I'm really not. I, I don't think it's, it's, it, it was a team problem. Not a, it's not like they have to get one goal and everything's going to be great. But I do think 
that that's a team that has enough cap room that if they can build out a second line, like if they could get a Nazem Kadri to throw a name out there, like I think that that it's going to make them better. Now they're not going to jump up and we're not going to say they're going to win the Atlantic division. But I, I think that those are the teams to me, those are the type of teams. Like if Ottawa could spend a little bit of money in free agency, mm-hmm. I think it can make you more competitive, can get you for where you're a little bit adrift to like, can one or two players bring you to like the playoff cutoff line, like to get you where you're really in a race. Cause that's, I think that's what those managers and those you know owners would want most is, is, you know, Ottawa and Detroit have been kind of two years away from being two years away for a little while now. And, and you gotta, you gotta move your organization forward. It can't, it's great to get more at cider, right. Who had a great year and wins a rookie of the year, but you need guys around him that can help pull the, the chains ahead. So I think that those, those teams to me, can benefit the most, but then there's danger there because they have young players. And if you overcommit in for agency and then you got to sign, you know, Norris and, and some of the younger guys coming along, I mean, the money starts going away quickly. So free agency definitely isn't what it once was. We have, I think a weird, it's like an old school dynamic again, like from back to the free agency. I remember as a kid, because you actually have superstars that, you know, might be free agents. I mean, Johnny Goodrow, you know, Nazem Kadri coming off the season he had, Philip Forsberg potentially, even Evgeny Malkin. Malkin and Latang, like and guys that's goaltender. Productive yep. players. Yeah. Like yep. like there's there's some real difference makers that are gonna hit the open market, but that's where you wonder like who's gonna pay them because Tampa can't go sign those guys unless they want to play for a million bucks and have a chance to win. Maybe someone will choose that. But you know, my sense of it is is more likely you know, it's it's a harder market for those guys. Like they're going to get paid. Obviously, the top dogs are going to get their 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 cheese here. But it's it's not a it's it's sort of flipped from what it used to be. Anyway, I mean, I, I, free agency isn't for the average player. It's nowhere near as lucrative as it once was. I want to ask you because you your job has evolved and you've done all kinds of cool things. I'm I'm so old. I remember when you were a young CP buck. Uh, grinding out the Canadian press. The other writers used to call me young Chris, Scott, and I got, (laughs) now I got all this gray in my beard. So the time comes quick. (laughs) Yeah. I think that, I think the three of us might fit into that boat, but I was told that I now look distinguished with my hair. (laughs) That's it. I wish I looked that (laughs) way. All the gray. But and your experience, I mean, you've done such a a great job, and you truly are one of the one of the the top hockey voices in the hockey media world. It's I'm you know I'm sound like Eddie Haskell, but it's the truth. And having worked at Hockey Night and now doing your work with with TSN and North Star Bets, do you like how, when you think of free agency? And I I ask this, you know, having worked so closely with Pierre LeBrun for years at ESPN and then at the Athletic, that I mean that's the I mean, that's where the rubber hits the road in some, you know, trade deadline. Yes. But free agency is a real, that's everyone. Right. And I wonder, do you view it differently? Is what's the pressure like as a reporter and certainly as a a preeminent reporter, what's that, what's that vibe like for you as you contemplate July 13th and and the start of free agency? Because there's some pressure on you, I would expect. Well, pressure is sort of what you make it, right? And I think this is where it's actually beneficial to be a little older because if you had asked me that question 10 years ago and and there would have been less expectation on me at that time, I would have said it's all pressure and I'm nervous and blah, 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 blah. I just love it now, man. Like it's it's so much fun. Uh, I think it's ultimately we're in the entertainment business, right? And And as are the players, even the GMs, even though they don't all recognize it all the time. And what gets fans more fired up than trades or, or transactions to do with players signing as free agents. 
And it's fun to be trying to figure out what's going on behind the scenes and working your sources and, and you know, hopefully breaking a few stories along the way. Like, like that, this is like my favorite time of year. The other side of it that's great is I'm about to be off for a few weeks. And so it feels like it's sort of like the last, you know, you're, you're kicking towards the finish of a long season. And so there's also like this, the, on the horizon is this, this, the prospect of, you know, a little bit of relaxation and vacation in my case. And so honestly, I really like it. I think it's fun. I think everyone likes to gossip. My phone's going bananas. I had to drive. I drove into Montreal and I was doing all my best not to get a texting and driving ticket because you know how it, uh, how, how it, how it goes. But I, I, I've come to really enjoy this time of year. Um, and, you know, I've also learned that, like, look, someone's gets there's there's enough to go around, so to speak. I mean, I think that's you, you sometimes feel when you're younger, like if you miss this, you'll, you'll never get anything. Well, the truth is, you know, and most people forget who broke what at the end of the day. I mean, we keep track, those of us that are involved in it um, to some degree. But, you know, it's a fun time of year. And, and even in, if I suck on the 13th, well, on the 14th, you're not going to find me anyway. You won't oh. It's, it's good for you guys that it's fun because it's fun for about half the players to get paid. And then the other half that are constantly on pins and needles, it's a tough one. <laughs> and especially the minor league dudes and the fill-ins like me, it was, this was always an antsy time of the year, the off season. Once you got going, it was pretty easy. So I feel it now from this side, Chris, before we let you go, uh, how many miles do you intend on running uh, during your self-imposed vacation away from hockey? A lot because I don't have other, I have way fewer other things that I have to do during my day. And, and to be honest, I'm still running every day, but the, the mileage has gone down a little bit. So uh, I've got a half marathon coming up in October. And so my August and September in particular, I'll have to kick it into high gear, but I'm going to have more time to do it. And, and I'm excited to, to get out there and maybe shed a few of these playoff pounds I'm carrying around. So, I, so I'm, <laughs> I, I'm curious, and I've never asked you this. I, I've asked you many things, as you know. When you're, if you come to Montreal and you go for a run, do you ever go and get lost? Like, do you, like, I, I go for a walk and I jump rope every day at home in Atlanta, in Decatur. Yeah. I go the exact same route. I never vary from it. Do you ever go out for a run on the road and get lost? I know you were in Tampa. Does that ever happen to you? Yes. Uh, the good news is his phones have maps on them now. So generally I'm okay. I'm not being sarcastic. I knew that actually. I, no, I'm not, I didn't know whether you took your phone with you. It's, it's I, I know, every two minutes. <laughs> I, I, I would try not to, but especially in another city. I would, the good news is, is all the NHL cities, you know, they, they haven't changed much lately. I haven't been to Seattle actually, but Montreal, I know well enough. I've got roots. I actually just run up the mountain. Usually it's, you can't really screw it up. Um, but definitely it's a factor. And this summer I'm going to go to Europe and, and I'm going to go to cities I've never been to or towns. And, and you know, it's totally different vibe. And, and frankly, I like your way, Scott, like when I'm at home in Toronto, I basically run the same route every day. I don't think about it. It's literally just put on my shoes and go and turn my brain off. I, I have to use my brain too much when I'm in another city, but you know, it's still, it's a nice way to see a place too. Honestly, like usually you might see things you wouldn't um, otherwise, if not covering it on your feet. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. My friend, we could do this all day, and I hope in a few hours that you and I are sitting in person somewhere having a, a beverage, but uh, always a treat to catch up with you, and, and so proud of what you uh, have done and what you continue to do, but thanks for coming and hanging with Mike and I this afternoon. 
My pleasure, man. You've been uh, one of my heroes for a long time, Scotty. So it's good to see you. And Mike, thanks for keeping me humble because you don't know who I am. So that's that's nice. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, we'll, we will explain that once you get off and I'll be as kind as I can. <laughs> All right. See you Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Uh, it's a ton of fun, and I, I'm 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 biased. I, I've known Chris a long time. We spent a lot of time together over the years, and uh, he's uh, he's great. And I want I want to hear more about your first meeting. I don't know that I know the whole story of this. Yeah, it's so funny because I spent my whole life in the game. You know, I played 14 years, and I didn't spend much time in Canada, though. Right, and so yeah. it's not like I had hockey night in Canada to watch. I didn't know who a lot of the on-air talent was and crew. And Chris was on the Hockey Night in Canada staff for a while. He was on TV in Canada. And I remember sitting there before a game in Vegas. And, you know, we're playing one of the Canadian teams in walks Chris. And I was kind of like, you know, hi. I could tell he's a media member. But I remember (laughs) Gary Lawless, who, you know, we're on staff together in in Vegas. And Gary's like, that's Chris. Like, you don't know who Chris Johnston is? And he was like, you know, dumbfounded that I didn't know. And I was like, I was so embarrassed because I, yeah. it was like a huge wake up call to me. Like, oh man, you're really a media now. Like Mike, pay attention. This guy's important, <laughs> you know? And it was just so funny because I remember, you know, looking at Gary and afterwards just be like, man, I, I just didn't know at all, man. So that's the joke now is I didn't know who he was. And uh, obviously very aware now because he is one of the preeminent, you know, reporters, journalists, however you want to call it, Scott, however you guys classify yourselves at this point, you're all Jack of, you're Jack of all trades, you know? Well, and that's, so, yeah. Well, and that's, you know, I mean, Chris, we, yes, we, we when you've been around for a, a long time, you, you end up doing lots of different things. And as I say, mm-hmm. I met, I met Chris when he was working at CP and my, and our good pal, Pierre Lebrun was the CP hockey writer. And then Chris moved into that role and, you know, you, I mean, you just, you keep, but you do, you have to do lots of things, right? You have to do podcasts and you have to, you know, learn to do television. And it's, you know, if you want to hang around, you got to do a little bit of everything. So anyway, speaking of hanging around and 
being sustained. It's probably a good time to uh, remind folks that DoorDash is this proud sponsor of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Restaurants and more delivered right to your door. I know you've got some travel upcoming. I don't know if there's some DoorDash in your future too, so... Yeah, that might happen tonight or tomorrow. I uh, had a big July 4th party, have some leftovers, but you know what? I don't know. I'm pretty busy these next couple of days with writing articles and doing a little bit of hosting as well. So yeah. uh, it might have to happen, I think, Scott. So I, I, as always, thanks to DoorDash. And they, they keep us going with all the stuff that's happening in the hockey world, don't they? They, they do. They like, do. I, look, can you believe it since we've talked, everything that's happened? Like Scott, we've had three head coaches hired, one fired, a general manager put in place, assistant general managers. Like I'm, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the rundown, and then let you spin the wheel and choose where you'd like okay, to go. Cool. All I'm right. Ready. Jim Montgomery is the new head coach of the Boston Bruins. Yeah. Derek Lalonde is the new head coach of the Detroit Red Wings. Rick Bonus out of the retirement home is now head coach of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, and I mean that with no disrespect, Rick, Rick, please. That was just out of tongue in cheek. Mike Greer is the new GM of the San Jose Sharks who do not have a coach. They fired Bob Bugner. Uh, Haley Wickenheiser, Dr. Haley Wickenheiser, right. now assistant general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So we got a lot going on here. And I didn't even I mention Jessica Campbell as assistant coach. Yeah of the Seattle Kraken's AHL affiliate. I know, I wrote so, it down, the Coachella Fire, Coachella Valley Firebirds, which I have to tell you, for a long time, whenever I've read Coachella, I thought it was a music event. Sorry. I did too, yeah. So spin that wheel. It's your pick, Scott. All right, and you did a great job of of, uh, of lining it all up, and I'm glad you mentioned Jessica Campbell. I was... Um, I was so pleased for Jessica because I spoke to her mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago for a piece at Daily Faceoff. And I had spoken with Dan Bilesma, who is the head coach there. And I'm really, I think the world of Dan, and I think he's a really good coach. And I think, I just think that's a great environment for Jessica. And so not surprised at all, given, you know, Seattle right from the get-go was not concerned about barriers and preconceived notions. So I think it's going to work out perfectly, but I do want to stop on Mike Greer and his new role as a GM of the San Jose Sharks, the uh, first black GM in NHL history. Um, Mike and I spoke not, it was a while ago doing some stories about diversity and coaching and how, how to break down these barriers. How do you, how do you affect change? And so I'm really pleased for Mike. And of course his brother is GM of the, Miami Dolphins, like it's it's this it's such a great story, and the family's such a great story. He that man though has his work cut out for him because I I I do not get you know how things have unfolded the, the way they have in San Jose. You mentioned I mean we're what seventy two hours now from the start of the draft, and you so now you've just hired your GM. Doug Wilson announced he was stepping away three months ago. You know, I, I, if my understanding of the finalists for the GM role, Mike, you know, could they not have been hired close, you know, further away than three days before the draft? And I, I thought it was poor form that um, Bob Bugner was let go two months after the end of the regular season. And I, I get the, I see the rationale. Well, it should be the GM's job. Well, if you're not going to hire a GM until the eve of the draft, then, then maybe you should get ahead of it. 
And I just think the whole thing speaks to dysfunction and that team. I I cannot see how they're not a lottery team. I can't see a way that they make the playoffs. And I think they're a lottery team in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes and maybe that's part of the plan, but it's disappointing for a franchise that is as recently as 2018. And you and I, you know, we spent some time together. Um, sorry, 2019, right. The Western conference final mm-hmm. against St. Louis, the sharks have always been the epitome of consistency and they've always been right there. And, and really to me, this looks like a, a team that has lost its way. Uh, do you think yeah. I'm being overly harsh? I, and I'm not no, mad. No, yeah, they're lost. They're absolutely lost in every sense of the word. And, and, and this isn't Mike Greer's problem. He hasn't caused it, No, but it's going Better to become it. his problem. Right. And so, yeah. you know, I'll tell you this right now. This is how lost this organization is. They fired Bugner on what? Friday? Classic Friday? Maybe even before that. When was it last week? It's been a week since they fired this guy, and they still have him listed on their website as their head coach. And they still have John McClain and John Madden as assistant coaches. Like, really? Like, so now your whole, like, office is that out of touch that you can't get that fixed right away? This is the NHL, you know? But I think – I think that organization, I couldn't understand why they gave Hurdle his extension. That's going to take him through age 36, eight more years, big money. Like, and they don't have any prospects to really speak of either. Like they should have been trying to do everything they could to rebuild. And that doesn't seem to be what's happening there. So it's a mess. I totally agree with you about Bugner. If you're going to move on, just do it. Like letting people hang in the wind. And like, I understand he's got a year left to get paid, but you don't, you're not doing a guy any favors that way. Like let him grab a job somewhere else if he wants to, you know, you're, you're basically coach blocking him at this stage of it. So yeah, that part's hard to see. Um, I almost wonder though, if they, if San Jose looked at the run of head coaches and went, wow, there's actually still some good coaches out there because yeah. like we said, Lalonde, Montgomery and, and, uh, and also in Winnipeg having bonus hired, there's three yeah. straight. San Jose is the only one left. You still have, I mean, David Quinn's still floating around out there. You yeah. know, Jay Leach is still around. I, I mean, younger names, who knows who they're going to go with? I have no clue. Yeah. But there's some quality coaches left. So we'll see with that organization. I'm not sure really what to expect there. Um, well, and, and to me, the, the timing of now, and I, I must admit, I didn't get a chance to listen in on um, Mike Greer's um, press briefing, but so now you, you know, maybe there isn't any urgency to hire a coach, but you're right. I mean, you're, so, you're way behind you know, you, you, all these other teams have filled these vacancies and it doesn't mean there aren't good coaches. I totally agree with you. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm frankly a bit surprised that Rick Tockett hasn't got a job that maybe he doesn't want. And maybe he's happy going back to TNT. And, you know, TNT he, seems like a lot of fun, man. He could, he, he could well, be he, the rest of yeah, his life. Well, exactly. But you're right. It just seems like coaches coach, don't they, Scott? Yes. I, yes, I think they do coach. So yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, and the, it just, I just feel bad for San Jose fans who've been, you know, there, it's a good hockey market. That's a great, it's a great hockey town. So um, I want to ask you about uh, the, the Rick bonus hiring, because I think of all the coaching hires this off season, there've been a bunch 
that was the one that maybe I was a little bit surprised at, not in a way of, oh, my God, wh- why did you do that? But, oh, OK, I wonder how that's going to work out. I-, I don't know. We both hit on it in our written pieces for Daily Faceoff this week. So, you know, it was at the top of our minds. And to me, hiring Rick Bonus um, is uninspired. It's it's. I won't say easy. Yeah, easy. Okay, I'll just say this. Like, yeah. I, I don't. I I think that this is going to play so poorly on. It played so poorly on social to start. The fans are not happy. Yeah. If if they don't, if Winnipeg isn't in the playoff picture in the first month of the season, it's going to be miserable there. Yeah. Because every every time a player walks into the supermarket and a fan walks up and goes, "I can't believe we couldn't get trots." Yeah. Okay. That and that's so unfair to Rick Bonus, but like. It's reality, you know, yeah. like this is this team's Winnipeg sh- has underachieved for too long. And by hiring bonus, you're basically telling me like, OK, it's we're still trying to win. We're not willing to grow into a young coach or yeah. or a more inexperienced coach. And I wrote that. I thought that Winnipeg would have been a great place for, you know, somebody that's up and coming to start because it would it would one a totally new voice. Yep. But two, it would allow there to be a little bit of growth in that team as the season progresses, because you'd have a little bit of rope, right? It's a new coach. He's learning, blah, blah, blah. That's not there with Rick. It's we need to win, period. And it's only a two-year deal with an option for a third. Uh, man, if I'm Connor Hellebuck, I'm looking around going, what is happening, man? <laughs> Well, um, let me know. ask. So let me ask you. And I got to tell you, I like. I totally get all of that. And I, but I, and I got. I loved Rick Bonuses, you know, because he was asked about it. And uh, what about Barry Trotz? I mean, he's, you can't. It's the elephant in the room. Right. And he, I thought his answer was great. If I'm Kevin Cheville Day off, I've got Trotzy at the top of my list. Okay, right. I guess the question is. You know, I and because it is such a short term, and I think sometimes coaches, the the shelf life for NHL coaches is pretty pretty short these days. It's so, about a year and a half now. Yeah, so I don't know. And the fact that he's sixty seven, I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess I, I guess the idea is if he can come in there, and. It sounds like he's already had conversations with Mark Shifley and maybe the idea of moving him is now on the back burner. If Shifley can play for Rick bonus, if Pierre-Luc Dubois can play for Rick bonus, maybe it changes his long-term view of staying there. If whatever's going to happen with Blake Wheeler, I'm, I'm with you. This is not, you know, there, this signals we're in it to win it. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a problem with that because I still like this team a lot. Um, but you're right. It's, it's just, it was, it just seemed like such a different hire, especially given all the signals being that Rick bonus was going to retire. So, right. And, and listen, I have friends that played for Rick bonus and love playing for him. This is a very well-respected man and, and coach and everything. I am not in any way saying that this isn't the guy I'm just saying that like, Bonus has no rope, no leeway at all, you know, and I could just see things going really poorly in Winnipeg and getting ugly, you know, if it doesn't start off well. So um, there are other situations I think are a little rosier. Um, I mean, I think Montgomery is a good fit in Boston. Um, I think he, and he's done a great job of, 
you know, he, he faced his demons head on. He was open about it. Scott, you had a front row ticket to that yourself. Um, and Monty getting past stuff and coming to St. Louis and, you know, getting his career back on track. I think he'll yep. be a good fit in Boston. Lalonde, not surprising with Iserman ties in Detroit. Um, but another coach who's really paid his dues, though. You look at where Lalonde's been. I mean, USHL, NCAA, ECHL, AHL, two Stanley Cup rings. You know, for a, when you're hiring somebody on a team like Detroit that's growing, that hire makes a lot of sense to me, Scott. Yeah. And, I, and it was a little off the radar, but it makes a lot of sense. I just, I'm like, okay, Steve Eiserman thinks this is okay. It's guaranteed to work, right? And, and I mean, he's an old I just, goalie. Lalonde's an old goalie. Yeah. North Country, from the North Country in New York <laughs> that you recently drove through. There you go. That's well, he's perfect then. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm with you. I, I just, I love the hire. And, and, and I, I can see where people are cynical because mm-hmm. when you think of all the coaches, you know, Paul Marie sends up in Florida and, you know, Rick goes to Winnipeg and there's, there's, there has not been, you know, because we talk about those, you know, we talk about the, some of the, the, the changes that are being made to the structure of hockey and whether it's Jessica Campbell as associate coach and mm-hmm. uh, you know, Emily Engel, Natsky is now the full, the video coordinator for the Washington Capitals and Mike Greer is the GM. There's a lot of barriers and walls being broken down not so much in the NHL head coaching role, right? Like, I mean, you know, still don't have any European head coaches haven't for years. So yeah, it's, I, you know, I, I think there has been a lot of towing of the line in the off season, but I thought the Lalonde hire of all the ones that might've been the most outside the box. And I think it is a fit that is going to a la John Cooper I think it's going to be a great fit for the Detroit Red Wings. I just, I think it makes sense. I hope so. And I think there's, there's some time there, you know, you're, you're still looking a year or two off from this club, really being a contender in a lot of ways, you know, until they're, they're, you know, a couple of young goalies will move through. They've got a defenseman coming in next year. Same thing, like early picks that'll help this club. So I like that. It'll be interesting to see where that one is. Um, I, I want to, I want to touch on this quick because we're getting towards free agency. We have the draft coming too that we'll get to. But you know, I, I had an idea about heroes and villains. Yeah. And, and again, I think it's kind of my 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 love of pro wrestling and faces and heels. And I was thinking about the salary cap. And Scott, I think there are players that are heroes. I think there are teams that are heroes when it comes to manipulating the cap. I think there are villains when it comes to the cap for players. I'm curious if anybody sticks out to you from a team or from a player standpoint as either a hero or villain or one of each. Well, and I, I think it's such, I mean, we talked about it with Chris and we talked about that trade with, um, you know, with the Tampa being able to move on Ryan McDonough's, you know, big ticket contract. And it is, you know, like, and we sometimes talk about these, you know, uh, you know, a hero or a villain, and it doesn't mean we dislike the person in their character or we dislike who they are as a player or whatever. But, but you're right. I mean, if you if you're a team with we say heroic contracts or players who are tremendous value, it, it just it, you are able to do more 
and it increases the potential for your success. If you don't have the kinds of contracts that are villainous, it's just, that's life. That's reality. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think about Jacob Slavin in, in Carolina, you know, $5.3 million. He's still under contract through 24, 25. And, um, you know, probably not as flashy as the, you know, the, the normal, you know, Norris picks, but to me, he's a top five defenseman in the NHL. And if you've got a top five, or if you want to even expand a little top, top five or six or seven, in the NHL and you're at $5.3 million and you do everything that Jacob Slavin does. <laughs> yes, of course. That's I mean, a hero. That's, that's a, a salary hero. cap hero. That's so, right. Yeah. But what about you? So were there, you know, I mean, sometimes it's easier to pick the, the contracts that are hard, really mm. hard contracts. Like I, you know, that, like that, we talked about the work ahead of Mike Greer. I, you know, I think of, Eric Carlson's deal in San Jose, man, that is, that's a hard, that's, it's hard to move forward when you have that kind of contract there. And especially given the injuries that have really plagued Eric Carlson the last two or three years and mm-hmm. the state of that team, that's hard, but what, what comes to mind for you? You know, what's interesting is I don't think that there's very many goaltenders out there that are villains, believe it or not, because Shocking. not many not many goalies are tied up on really long-term deals. Yep. You know, it's rare to get something that's a six by six or seven by six any longer. We saw a run of those for a while with like the two Karasks and Pekarenis of the world that turned out to be pretty good deals. But now you're getting four or five years at five, four or five, six million bucks. Like you can make those contracts go away if you need to. You know, buy them out, trade them, do what you need to get them off your books. A deal that you can't get rid of, and he's one of my favorite players, and I think he has so much value, is is Jamie Benn in Dallas. You know, at $6 million, there'd be 32 teams in the league lining up for Jamie Benn, you know? But at the nine plus, it's just not there. But you can't discount the the value of that player within a team. You know, you're going to have that type of contract. I had, as my hero... I had David Perron down. Oh, yeah. He made four million bucks for the Blues the last four years. Was so good for them. Has been so good. And I wonder if he'll still be a salary cap hero. He's 34. What if the Blues give him, you know, three years at a lower AAV to keep him around in a city that he loves that he's been an integral part of? He's only signed contracts with. So, he can't you know, I had him. He, he can't go anywhere else. That's just I don't think so. I don't think so. And, you know, as a villain, I had the Senators because they have such young talent that needs some veterans surrounding them. But you know what? They flipped the script on me today when they bought out Colin White. Yeah. And in, I mean, if they imagine if they bought out Matt Murray and really opened up cap space or moved on from him, like yeah. now all of a sudden we're talking about the Sens in a in a way that hey, they really could add pieces here, Scott, and I think be a good team. I totally and I hope you. so. You know, I mean, like that LeBreton Flats deal. I know we're three, four years away, but like, man, I see untapped potential in Ottawa. I'd love to see them spend a bit of dough. And not be a villain. I'd love to see Pierre Dorian and crew be like a hero this summer, right? Get that team going. And that'd be exciting for a city that I enjoy, Scott. Oh, my gosh. Well, I I went to university there four years at Carleton, old journalism program back when the Gutenberg Press was still humming along in the the journalism school uh, year at Ottawa U, actually, my Bachelor of Education, which uh, or I used to call it at the time, the Bachelor of Extended Childhood. But Mm -hmm. Ottawa is such a great city, and you know this, and that arena is just 
it's a disaster. It's, you know, really outside of Glendale, it's the worst it's the worst setup in the NHL and it might even be worse in Glendale, but they've cut um, off half of their fan base. Yeah. Like no, if you're in the terrible. Quebec side, got to know, like you're not getting across to a game. No, it's like you a know? day trip. Yes. Um, but I'm, and I'm with you and I, I, I feel bad for, cause I didn't you know Matt Murray, you know, has been through a lot and uh, mm-hmm. you know, that hasn't really worked out. It's 6.25 million left for two more years. That's um, that's hard. Uh, but I want to ask you a question because you were in the room and when we talk about these kinds of dynamics and, you know, where a player gets a lot of money and I go back to, I, you know, I think of, you know, Roberto Luongo, who was so always so candid and, you know, mm. at one point lamenting his deal in Vancouver, because it meant, it, you know, at the time, especially it, it made him uh, unable to be traded and it was time for him to move on. It was time for Vancouver to move on. And, and I know he took a lot of heat for complaint, you know, complaining about his contract, but you know, at one point, I think he said, you know, this is sort of a, you know, my contract's an albatross or he said, my it. contract sucks. Yeah, it does. My whatever, how many was a <laughs> tens lot. of millions of dollars. Yeah, it was a lot. But in a room, like how does that, is it ever spoken about? Do people joke about it? Like if you're making, you know, like it's been hard for Jamie Ben, right? Yeah. He's over 9 million a year. He and Tyler Sagan were eating up close to $20 million in cap space every year. It, I mean, it must weigh on you if you aren't producing the way that you know that you did in the past and that you earned the contract as a result of, but what's that like in the room? If you've got guys who are making a lot of money and, and aren't, they aren't because you're always measured against the cap, uh, your cap hit, which is natural. What's that like when it's not happening and you are a bit of an albatross? It's, it's one of those scenarios where all your teammates know that it's just the circumstance, you know, no one views that negatively. And I think we all, we all know behind the scenes, the reasons why players may not be able to perform up to what they signed a, co- a contract at Tyler Sagan's a great example at you know, what's happened to his body since he signed that deal. You know, you really can't foresee a lot of these things. And and I thought Sagan actually had a great season. Was it 9 million bucks? No, but it was a good season, right? That's the hard part is that once again, it kind of becomes inflated and you're sometimes you have to use those future years though, to get the player you want in the moment. Yep. So I think that's how the players look at it, is like, man, like good for him, you know, he deserved this, but it's funny, like even on the operations side, a friend of mine was a longtime equipment manager in the American Hockey League. Great guy, good equipment manager, all those things. But uh, he got let go kind of recently. And I remember talking to him about it. And he said, man, I I kind of knew for the last like maybe two years, I think he really met like during COVID. He's like, I just, I knew I was making too much money and I could just sense this was coming. So I think it kind of in general in life and in sports, you know, when things are up, like if you're Ryan McDonough was 6.75 million on your contract in four years, you're probably looking at that going, this is going to be tough. You know, <laughs> and Tyler Johnson in Tampa before that going, Oh, I really liked it here, but man, I, I really want to keep playing hockey and for yeah. this contract, because if you want to force it, you can, you may end up in the minors <laughs> or, you yeah. know, worse things can happen. So, um, it's an interesting dynamic like that, Scott, for sure. Yeah. But like I say, like goalies never feel like they're worth it in the goalie market right now. Oof. Yeah. You know? I, 
It's great. So that's a good way for us to maybe to, to, to close her out. But I am fascinated by, I'm just, I'm fascinated by all of the goaltending discussion because it's, I mean, yes, it goes without saying it's so critically important, but there's so many interesting elements out there. You've got Darcy Cumber who's coming off a Stanley cup win. And I, you know, I think he was, he was good. He, he, He's going to have his name on the cup forever. Okay, he's a UFA. What happens to Jack Campbell? Vile Huso is, you know, is he, you know, where does he fit into it? And you've got prominent teams like Edmonton and Toronto. What, what, how are you going to answer this critical question? And especially if you don't have, you can't just open up, you don't have the blank check to make it happen because of the cap. I, I just, I think it's fascinating. You better hope Darcy Kemper really wants to play in Colorado if he's going to come back to that team, you know? Yeah. And I, I see, I could actually see that happening. Like it, the hard part though is trying to get a goalie at a value deal. You know, you get Kemper at that price point, And I think he holds a lot of the cards here for, for goalies around the league, because let's just say, let's say Kemper goes back to Colorado. Where does that leave New Jersey, Toronto, a few different teams that are all searching, Edmonton even? Yep. Where does it leave them? What's left? You're looking Huso, Jack Campbell, and Marc-Andre Fleury. Okay, there's your proven guys. Like, and Huso's not even proven. Campbell, maybe proven. You know, Fleury, oh, he's proven. Yeah. But he's to be 38 in the midseason. Yep. And he hasn't played number one minutes in a bit and all this other stuff. So I think there's a lot of dominoes to fall here, Scott, and I don't know what Toronto's going to do. I think I have an idea on Edmonton. Like, I think Edmonton would love Huso. I love. I think they'd love to have a younger goalie that could grow into that role. I, and it makes sense for me there, but Toronto, they need somebody that's one. They need somebody that that's that's there, that can handle it. And it's either Flurry or Kemper, and I can't see cap wise Kemper going there if they're this hesitant on Campbell. But what about Flower? What's he going to take for a deal in one year to go there? Like, I don't know what's going to happen with them. The one team I see throwing everything out is New Jersey because they're going to throw money at everybody. <laughs> Everyone. If I'm, but if I'm Jack Campbell, I think if Campbell hasn't gotten an offer from the Leafs, which is all I've heard, like, and he's got to go elsewhere. Don't you cash it in with Jersey or Chicago, a team that needs a goalie? Because I'm not sure who else he's going to go to. Yeah, it's just, it's, and it, you know, we talked about it during the playoffs. I mean, it's just, it's so hard to win when you don't develop your own goaltender. So, uh, you know, right. how, you know, and, but maybe those are the teams, because listen, New Jersey might be the perfect spot because you know, they're not going to win a cup next year, the year after, but if they are on a three or four year plan to being back to being a really good team in the Eastern conference, maybe Jack Campbell is the guy there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and Chicago's their runways a lot longer than that. Frankly, I think as maybe it's shade. That's a space shuttle runway right now. Yeah. yeah I just, that's not a seven forty seven. And I know New Jersey, Chicago, New Jersey to me is further along the track than yeah. Chicago is. So Yep. And I think yeah. that's good bet in Jersey. I and mean, that gives Nico Dawes a bit of time as a goalie to come in, but man, it just shows you how important it is to develop from within. 
And that's going to be something I'm writing about this week is just how certain teams have been factories, Scott, for goalies. And what I think often gets missed in management and even in, you know, fan circles everywhere, heard it for years, like with New Jersey, we got Martin Brodeur, we don't need anybody else. And it was true, (laughs) but they didn't develop anybody in Jersey for like 15 years. It seemed like, yeah. You know, and I was there for part of it. Okay. I saw that they didn't put any resources into goalie development at mm. all. Like not saw a goalie coach for five days total in the American league, the two years I played in that franchise, you know? So you see this and it's like, if you spend the money to hire the right people and develop from within, you're not just potentially getting a goaltender that you can have from the time they're 23 until 33, or at least till 30, you're also getting trade assets. Yeah. Goalies are tangible assets. If, if, you know, this is a rare deal. Well, who, who will move on from the blues, but if he was a couple of years younger and restricted, you know, like a Georgiev right now in the trade market, you know, yeah. Georgiev is probably going to get a third, second, third, fourth rounder for him this off season from somebody. Yeah. That's tangible. Well, and you're any, yes. I mean, technically, but he's so he's at that age and Huso would be, you know, he's a little bit older, but still they be, if you acquire a goalie like that, you are developing them yourself. So he becomes yours, even if you didn't technically draft him. So I, I totally agree. Now I'm curious whether you think, is it about, and the teams that are able to draft and develop goaltenders is it about committing resources? And I, I did this piece on Dustin Wolf, who was the mm-hmm. 214th draft pick in 2019. And, you know, really great story because he happened to be in the building in Vancouver as the draft was coming to a close. But I think Calgary it strikes me as a team that has committed, you know, Jordan Sigalette looks is the, he's looks over the goaltending mm-hmm. department at all levels there. Or that's my understanding of it. And Jason LaBarber is the NHL guy and Thomas Spear and um, in stock. No, it's not Stockton. Hey, we're in the it will be Calgary next year. It was yes, Stockton the last you. several. Yeah. But, yeah, they but have you three, have a, so approach. you have a structure. Is that, it just seems like a no brainer, but not every team, you know, it's been, it's taking teams a long time to get there. Florida, you know, is there, but it's mm-hmm. taking teams a long time to, Commit that. Well, how about this? The team that finished last in the league last year in save percentage was the Seattle Kraken, and they currently have zero goalie coaches employed. Yeah, I think they just hired Bernier today, actually. So okay, well there yeah, we go. So, Curtis, but, but he, Curtis Sanford was just hired by the Toronto Maple Leafs right. to be their head guy, who had been the development goalie coach for uh, for Vancouver in Abbotsford, which shows you once again. You minimum need two goalie coaches. You need a dedicated NHL goalie coach and a dedicated AHL goalie coach. And the smart teams now, Scott, have a goaltending department. They have somebody overseeing everything like Jordan Siglet does in Calgary, like Mitch Korn has for the New York Islanders. Yep. There, there are other teams that are implementing this. Head of goaltending, AHL goalie coach, NHL goalie coach. Some teams are even hiring a goalie scout. Yeah. And that's your best route because – Teams don't have a clue how to scout goalies. They pick goalies from the draft because the guy's a winner. And that's the worst metric you can have. If he's over 6'3 and he's a winner, we'll take him. Yep. No. Hire some people who know the position. Reap the benefits of it. (laughs) It's just 
I don't, I, we're this far along. Most important I know. position. It, it, yeah, it, does, it doesn't seem like rocket science. And yet, no. yeah. No, but it was a great piece that you had on Wolf who lit it up in the American League this year for Stockton. Um, pretty cool. It had his whole family in the building waiting until that last moment on draft day. Four Crazy. teams left to pick, and he makes good on it. And he's a perfect example. He's six foot tall. He's undersized. Yeah. But he's damn good goaltender. He is a damn good goaltender. Yep. All right, my friend. Listen, so when we talk next week, We'll be right. In fact, it'll be free agency. So we'll be right on it. So looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to what happens uh, at the draft on Thursday and Friday night here in Montreal. Wish you were here to uh, rub shoulders, but as always fine, fine work by you and we'll do it again next week. As well as you, of course, it's great to have Chris Johnston on and I sure hope that you have a nice piece of Montreal smoked meat or maybe a bagel or two in Montreal things that I sure miss from that city. What a might fun be, place. What a great place some, for you might to be. Might be some poutine in my future. I can't say for a sure. A little on St. <laughs> Catherine street. I hope great job. Thanks for listening to the suitcase and the scribe, a member of the nation network of podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 